0: Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, the podcast where we rank rock and metal, and other music-related shit. As usual, it is me, Stephen, a.k.a. Old Head, uh, leading the charge uh, into the musical fray. Uh, and with me, as always, is the uh, the lovely Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not going to fuck around today because we. I, I have a feeling this might be a long one because we are going to be um, f- uh, talking about a band where we're going to do the entire discography today uh but it's a discography that I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Um yeah. uh, we're going to be uh, ranking the uh studio I guess well albums and and EPs, a couple EPs uh from Soundgarden. Um which that now makes us uh three bands into the quote unquote big 4 of grunge. Hell yeah. Cuz we did Nirvana and we did did we Yeah, we did Alice in Chains. Yeah. Man, that was that seems like a while ago. Both of those seem like they're like a year ago. Man, we're coming up on a year here. I think we've spaced them out pretty
1: well because like we did we started with Nirvana and then about halfway into where we're at now was the Alice in Chains one. So I think we've I think we've done a pretty good job yeah. keeping it
0: keeping it varied. Keeping it yeah. varied over here on the show. But um and I would I would argue that while Nirvana probably has the biggest, uh, like umbrella over like, like the the influence. Like everybody knows Nirvana. Like fucking like I believe it was last night on Saturday Night Live. Kid Cudi wore like an outfit to to give an homage to Kurt Cobain, and yeah. he's a hip hop artist. Um, yeah, I found
1: a lot of a lot of hip hop artists seem to be Nirvana influenced
0: these yeah, days. That, that seems like a, a thing. But but that being said, I feel like if you're going to talk about a band musically as the one that everybody looks to and says that was that was the shit, I think that Soundgarden is that band. Yeah, because um, you could because if you if you put Nirvana next to Soundgarden, Soundgarden is A way better band (laughs) Just technically And you know Songwriting wise Like all sorts of shit Like you know I love Nirvana They're one of my favorite bands ever But Soundgarden is a They're in a league of their own They were in a league of their own Unfortunately Um, And so It's been interesting to go through And um, really Re-listen to these albums In in the respect of, of Figuring out where they go in a, in a yeah. ranking Because as usual It's really tough for me To find that middle ground Between personal favorites And ones where I feel like as an album It's good And where that would fall So um, as usual let's, t- let's talk about where we Came in on the Soundgarden story So for me uh, Soundgarden I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw The video for Hands All Over Was probably the first Soundgarden I ever heard, and I liked it, but I wasn't quite into it. The video that made me a fan of Soundgarden was Outshined. Once I saw Outshined, that that was the end of it, and I've I've been a Soundgarden fan ever since. Um, Which that was what that was 1991, Um, which is weird because the because that was a uh, an album that was a that was a little bit buried by another album called Nevermind um but eventually once you once you played Nevermind 500 times you're just kind of like what's out what else is out there Soundgarden and then you're like why wasn't i fucking listening to this anyway <laughs> but uh but yeah that was my beginning of uh, of Soundgarden how about you uh, GTA San Andreas <laughs> i was i was literally <laughs> say it before you <laughs> yeah
1: yeah this is this is one of those beautiful uh beautiful radio x bands from gta san andreas
0: so you had you hadn't heard them prior to that because i feel like they're such a big band especially songs like black hole sun you had to have already heard that prior to gta i bearing in mind i was very
1: young when i was playing the gta oh so okay okay that makes you, sense then you're you're talking
0: you, should, you shouldn't have been playing is what you're saying You <laughs> yeah. were <laughs> Too young to be slapping, slapping bitches and shooting people. (laughs) Picking up prostitutes
1: in your banged up old car and then beating them up. Do you get your money back? (laughs) Is is
0: Eddie Sparks going to have to choke a bitch?
1: (laughs) Only if she wants me to. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah. GTA San Andreas. um, Awesome soundtrack across the board. Uh, I consider it to be something of a G funk bible for my generation as well, because they yeah. do tend to have extremely well curated uh, radio stations as per the vibe of each kind of area. And uh, but yeah, because it took place in ninety two, there was a grunge station, and uh, Rusty Cage was the song. Yeah, and you can imagine. You know, in a car chase, listening to that, it's pretty fun. But yeah, that's where Th- those are.
0: Those are songs. Songs like Rusty Cage, and we'll get to that later. But um, are, that's a song that I wish that I could hear for the first time again, because yeah. I just remember once you get to the end with that breakdown, burn like once that, yeah. like I remember as, as a young person hearing that and being like, ho, ho whoa, because <laughs> that's like one of the earliest examples I can think of where a song like slowed down like that because I, yeah. I, it happens a lot now, but th- I think that's the first time I ever heard that happen where all of a sudden there's a slower part of a song that was that feels completely disconnected but absolutely perfect for a song, and I mean, I loved it and love it today. The best part about the breakdown at the end of
1: it is because I'd imagine for, like, time constraints within the disc or something, because you're talking about a game from, like, 2004 at this point, which is, in you know, in terms of consoles and stuff, I mean, that's 17 years ago now, they actually, like, some of the songs were shortened so, the breakdown isn't on the GTA San Andreas version. So, oh. when, it, when it ends at the end of, gonna break my rusty cage and run, bound, and then like
0: it goes, radio X. But, oh, that is a crime right there. But,
1: but the best part is, is that I did kind of get to hear it for the first time again, in a way, because. With the absence of the breakdown, I thought that was a cool song. Then, when I heard it with the breakdown, I thought it this just got even better. Yes, yeah. this, this fucking rules but um
0: yeah, and, and as does a lot of their stuff um, so let's 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 go ahead and jump into this. So we're actually doing a total of seven albums because we're including the screaming life slash fop. Uh, where they took two e- two early EPs and put them together, so we're just counting that as an album, and yeah. so we're doing there's six full length albums and that um, ranking from um, least great to most great because there is no yeah. nothing bad. There's literally like it it like some of these things. Even though I do have some criticisms about a couple of them. Um, it didn't feel right putting anything at last place with this band. Yeah. <laughs>
1: there's there's no shit Soundgarden. No, it's all absolutely badass. not.
0: Yeah. So so without further ado, let's let's jump into it and let's uh, uh, let Eddie start off with his number seven Soundgarden album. Well, on that
1: note as well of like including the EPs as well. Yeah. This this is a band that has a shit ton of B sides. Yeah, and so many of them fucking rule. So that Echo of Miles compilation is definitely worth checking out, especially the big one with like everything on it. Does but, it have? Uh, yeah, because
0: you because you got like like songs like Birth Ritual that are just yep, fucking on insanely good. Um, and an, there's another one that I'm gonna I'll wait till later to talk about, um, but it's like one of my favorites, and it's not on an album. Um, you could make yeah. like.
1: You could make, like, two whole extra Soundgarden albums that kick ass out of, like, the B-sides. Hell yeah. Yeah. But uh, Soundgarden is a band that, you know, from observations of other people's lists, I think I'm going to have a few hot takes. Cool. So, uh, you know, not that other people... I I might as
0: well. I don't really know.
1: Yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see where this goes. So (laughs) I feel like my last place... Is coming a little bit hot, but at the same time also maybe not. So I'm just I'm just gonna jump in. Okay. Number seven, down on the upside. Okay. This album is is still growing on me to this day. It's it's also a long one at you know 16 songs,
0: which can be intimidating, um, and over an hour long as well. And it's the and it is the it's the last one they put out in '96 before they originally broke up.
1: Yeah, it's it's another casualty of the mid '90s CD era long album pandemic. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. It, it has a noticeably. It's got much less emphasis on the heavy side of their sound, with the exception of maybe a couple tracks. Mm-hmm. um The Soundgarden sound is still there, but it's nowhere near as you know Black Sabbathy. It's more on the like alternative kind of stuff yeah so uh i'll jump into the track by track pretty noose is a is a groovy catchy one great mid-90s chorus on it
0: excellent opening song just to i'll interrupt you immediately in my opinion with down on the upside if the whole album was as good as pretty noose it it, i think my opinion of it would be way different yeah um but that song just just because as soon as i heard the name i had to talk about it there are (laughs) and I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before in other episodes sometimes there are little weird odd things that are snuck into songs that make the song for me and in yeah. this song when it's got the they're playing the riff during the verse yeah. and it does that like that part yeah. like every time I hear it I go that is so fucking great and it's like and it literally the rest of the song to me becomes better because of this weird little thing that they just throw in in the verse that doesn't even need to be there. Yeah. And and that's why Soundgarden are great because they do things like that in their songs. Anyway, continue.
1: For sure. Um, Rhinosaur is Soundgarden straight up doing much more the kind of post-grunge sound at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this was this was 2 years after 94, which is kind of where grunge tends to drop off after this point and it kind of becomes more alternative and then the new metal
0: thing kicks in. I think um, by this point everybody was tired of being labeled. Like you know yeah. a lot a lot of a lot of bands were just sick of like well why do we have to play this kind of music? Why can't we just do what comes naturally to us? And I think that's what Soundgarden was doing.
1: Yeah, it's um yeah, you get zero chance this one now This one fakes me out at the start
0: because
1: (laughs) I legit thought it was Eddie Vedder for like a split second because it has Mm. such a strong Pearl Jam vibe. Like this song, I could
0: easily hear being played by Pearl Jam easily. Which which, which oddly enough, um, uh, the drummer ends up being the drummer of Pearl Jam after this yeah Uh, matt matt cameron that's his name matt cameron i don't know i'm so bad with names Uh, (laughs) it's like like a a name that i've said a hundred thousand times in my life i'll I'll just immediately be like what was that dude's name that played drums in Soundgarden?" ah matt cameron
1: isn't it insane though like the career that guy's had like he's been a prominent you know drummer in not only one but two of the biggest bands from a scene
0: you know. It would. I mean, it would be impressive if Dave Grohl didn't exist. <laughs> Dave Grohl went on from being the drummer of one iconic band to being the frontman in another like huge rock band. So it's yeah, you know, I that's about that's about as impressive as it gets to me. Not that I'm not a very big Foo Fighters fan, but I look at that and I go, man, that dude. That's he's yeah. he's he, he's gonna. I mean, on his deathbed, he's probably gonna be like, it's pretty good, man. Let's see you guys later. Peace <laughs> out. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: Um, Dusty. It's got a nice feel. It reminds me that this this is me once again. You know my kind of generation finding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty reminds me of a level in a Looney Tunes game, from a PS two uh, Looney Tunes game called Taz Wanted, and it's where like <laughs> he gets captured and put in a zoo, and he escapes, and he has to destroy all of these like. Elaborately placed wanted posters in like levels and stuff, but they're like kind of puzzles and shit. And but like the music in it, like that down, 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 There's a very similar kind of guitar riff that's like the music to one of the levels. So I have to go back and re-listen to it and explain what it is.
0: But they were pl- they were they were playing that game before they wrote this song. They ripped it off. They didn't even know it. <laughs> Oh man, like you get Ty Cobb. You you see Ty Cobb,
1: they suddenly come out of the gate with like this, this crazy punky one with like this
0: almost rockabilly redneck feel at times. Um It feels it and, feels like on on almost every album there's at least one song where they feel like they just gotta get the fast out of them. Like, yeah, oh we oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> we have to do a fast one. Like they needed to do it. So and this is one of them.
1: You know, now that you mentioned that, I think that's true. I think there is at
0: least one ridiculously speedy, punky one on each album. Yeah. I, I mean, com- that's com- compar- Comparatively, yeah. It does, it does, it, you, well, that's the thing is that Soundgarden, every single album they ever put out has a great variety of songs. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. Like you don't get the same kind of thing over and over again. You may get things that sound similar to what they've done before, especially when you're getting to Down on the Upside. But um, overall, like, as an album, you're not really hit with the same thing two times. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, and, and
1: he- here's here's the thing as well. Like you said about Pretty Noose, Blow Up the Outside World yeah. again. Awesome song. No questions asked that. there. That's a
0: pretty, it's an epic song. Like, it's big. Like, yeah. The whole thing about it, it's, it is is huge.
1: And then you get Burden in My Hand, which is, again, another awesome song. The singles from this album are you know are extremely good i just feel like the album is a bit long for the fact that they've kind of shed a lot of the heaviness
0: yeah yeah, we're not even halfway Mm. through yet yeah
1: like (laughs) (laughs) um where is it never named is this crazier punked out track again uh apple bite is a weird ass vibe there's a lot of vibe centric stuff going on this album and I would think I would like it more. I think this is why it's taking so long to grow on me, but I do appreciate, like, they took it in a different direction, and that's brave. Mm. Um. Uh, but, like, never... Uh, I had a little little bit of a fangirl moment when Never the Machine Forever came on because I was like, yes, Kim Thiel fucking doing the fucking <laughs> heavy thing. Hell yeah, yeah. like... I was, I was loving that one. Um, he, he's, he is
0: oh. a, I feel like he is an, a pretty underrated guitar player. Oh and yeah. I realize that he's not, he's not as immediately recognized. Like he's not a dude that you can look at and go, Oh, he, he clearly rules at guitar. Cause there's plenty of those people that are, and they, <laughs> and they show off and you can tell, but he's a dude that he reminds me a lot of like an Alex Lifeson from rush where it's, <laughs> He's, yeah. he's doing things, he's doing really interesting things and he's a really great guitar player, but almost does it in an every man kind of way. Like he doesn't, sure. he's not showing off or trying to, to let, let everybody know how great he is. He just has these incredibly cool ideas and I just, he's like, to me, like as much as I, you know, the other dudes in the band are great like Cornell and and Kim Thayel, I can never pr- pronounce his name correctly. Thayel, yeah. those are the two key components of Soundgarden. Like you yeah. have to have those two guys in the band. Um, anyway, keep going. I, I was just going to say like, it, it's almost like he's got fuck you talent, where it's
1: kind of <laughs> like, it, it's kind of like, yeah, I can shred, but I'm not fucking going to. I'm going to yeah. do this like crazy dissonant yet pentatonic shred over here. And you're gonna fucking sit here and love it because I'm Kim Thyle, you
0: know? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Hell yeah. Um, no attention is a is a punky heavy one. Yeah, it's another. Switch- we
0: got two. Do we got a two of those on
1: this album? Yeah. Uh, where is it? Switch opens. See, that's the thing I say about like it it not being very heavy. The heavy parts on this album do tend to feel a little a little more punky than they do on the metal kind
0: of thing. I th- yeah, but, I think using the word heavy on this album is stretching it a little bit. Yeah, it's, it, there there are slightly louder songs, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's not I really think, a heaviness anywhere.
1: Yeah, I think Never the Machine Forever is like the exception to that, but yeah, everything yeah. else is pretty pretty light by comparison. Um, Switch opens cool dreamlike thing. uh one of like. another vibey one but it's quite bluesy and unkind speedy grunger i've put (laughs) (laughs) uh boot camp uh is the final vibey closing track this album isn't terrible by any means but in my opinion could have kept me more invested if it was shorter as a lot of it has like a more vibe kind of approach i like vibe but compared to super unknown that preceded it the parts aren't as memorable throughout uh compared to the previous album
0: yeah i uh i i totally agree with you but um but that's not my number seven um i i actually struggled with what should be my number seven um and then finally just last night i just went you know what i i Unfortunately, it is kind of a um, a duh kind of position for this album, but my number seven is going to have to be King Animal, um, the most recent and last Soundgarden album from 2012, which was the album. They got back together, and then they put out this album, and it was their first in 16 years um, when it came out. Yeah. And it was a big deal when it happened, because I'm a big Soundgarden fan, and all I remember was... Um, uh, maybe it was a year prior to this album where they started gigging again as a band. And I just saw f- somebody's camcorder footage. Who says camcorder anymore? Video footage. <laughs> That's how old I am. Um, and I just remember seeing it and being like, oh, they sound so good. They just, they came right yeah. back and are just, it's like the, the, it's the next day and, and you know, they sound great. Um, and then when this album came out, I went to the store, the record store on the day it came out to, to buy it, popped it in my car CD player on the way. I bought it. I bought us the CD. And um, I was immediately underwhelmed by the first track on it, which has been away for too long. Um, it's not a really good album opener. I, I guess compared, if you're talking about a song that's got some energy to it, it is a good opener. But it doesn't sound like a Soundgarden song. Even the riff sounds like a riff that somebody else mm. wrote. Like that doesn't it? it so so my, my wanting Soundgarden immediately, I go oh. Also also, how on <laughs> the nose is it for your first song to be "Been Away" for too long? I'm like, I I, I get it. but (laughs) they immediately make up for it with non-state actor. Like that song kicks in and I'm just going to be like, Oh, there's fucking Soundgarden and that song fucking rules. So even though I have this album last, it's, it's still really good. I would say it's far from amazing when it comes to a Soundgarden album, but it's a respectable return. And honestly, if we are comparing this album to other bands, this kills most bands, but it, it it yeah. as a soundgarden album it's lacking a lot of the things that i'm looking for but the thing that's become very apparent and it was pretty apparent in 2012 but it definitely is now when you hear soundgarden cuz soundgarden even in the songs that i don't like as much they still manage to to fit in those quote unquote soundgarden moments that that make it their song and you hear that and you go there is without Soundgarden, there is this, there is a void. There is a musical void in the world that literally no other band can fill. Like how many bands can you say that about them? That once they're gone, there is going to be a void forever. Like I can't, you like bands could try and some bands have, but no band sounds like (laughs) Soundgarden and did it as well as Soundgarden did. So, that that alone makes this sure. album enjoyable because you're you're it's another Soundgarden album. And really, like there's there's a lot of moments that just remind you of how unique they were as a band. But to me, the aside from non-state actor, to me, the standout track on this album is Bones of Birds. Um it is, but it's more of a it's a mellowish song. It kind of fits more in with super unknown than anything earlier than that. But it's just so well written. Every single part of that song, I'm just like, this is so great, and it re- and it you know reminds me yeah. of like not only how great of a band they were, but how great how could they could take a song that has, if you strip things away from it, it has odd little elements here and there, but it sounds. You, you you your brain could just oh, this is like a pop song because it's real. It's got catchy moments and it's real. It feels good, but it's but it's not. It's almost deceptive the way that they put these songs together. and and i I just I think it's fucking great. But moments like that, unfortunately, there's not enough of them on king animal. there's there's a a, a number of just okay songs. um, and honestly, after listening to it again recently, I don't think it's aged very well. Like a lot of their older stuff still sounds very uh, unique to me. This album, it might have something to do with the production. I'm not really sure, but it doesn't sound. And I'll say this about my number six also. it it Something's not there. It's like the all of the Soundgarden elements are there, but it's almost like there's one extra one that's needed that seems to be missing and i don't know what that is um but mm. overall i like it and honestly one of the kind of oddest songs on the album which is called rowing which which ends the album i think that's fucking yeah. great only because it's so odd in a way that only soundgarden could pull off and it's it's the way the song mm. unfolds it's so just like who would have thought of this song they they would have and the fact that it, it closes out the album with this kind of weird but powerful song, I'm just like, that's, that's fucking great. So, I mean, in the end, it's a good album. Um, but, yeah, if looking at everything that they did, that this is definitely the one that if somebody's going to put all of the Soundgarden albums in front of me and say, which one do you want to listen to? I'm probably not going to pick King Animal (laughs) just because there's so much other amazing shit. So it had to end up being here at the end, unfortunately, as my number seven. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, I think this transitions pretty well because my number six is King Animal. Nice. Right. Uh, So King Animal. Mm -hmm. So we got been away too long. Uh, I will agree it is pretty on the nose. But uh, I do like it as an opener. I got to I got to say it does have that high energy to it, and it yeah. it does it does open it up. Um, non-state actor has got some tasty riffage going on, you know,
0: by crooked steps, and it's and it's got that odd time signature thing. Once, yeah, because I love how. The riff is real is is definitely it's a cool riff played in four four. But then once you get to the verse, all of a sudden the beat switches up. Like Matt Cameron does some sort of weird fill. (laughs) Yeah. And all of a sudden the timing goes, or maybe the timing doesn't even change. And maybe it's just Matt Cameron being a genius. I don't fucking know. But I just love how they'll 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 throw in those little things where you're just like, did the did the timing of the song just totally change? And so it's it's fucking cool. Sorry, go ahead no, I can keep interrupting you. <laughs> I I agree though. It's it's like for
1: some reason they it's almost like they don't even realize that they're they're playing in like odd time signatures. They just do what they do because Soundgarden is just
0: it's just this machine that works flawlessly. That, yeah, they're, it's almost like they're not held by n- normal song conventions. They're like, well, here's what we want to play. So we have to tune our guitars in a really bizarre way and do a really <laughs> odd time signature. But that's what we need for this song, so let's just do it. Like, it's, they're, they're not doing it to be weird. It's just like that service is the song they're trying to make which yeah. is why they're so great. All right, keep,
1: keep, their, keep going. Their <laughs> guitar text must have hated them. Like, the, <laughs> yeah, this song. <laughs> like, can you imagine, like, all of the different tunings they use live? Like, the guitar text must be shitting there's themselves. There's a
0: standard, there's a drop D, there's a drop C. Yeah. There's, <laughs>
1: there's, <laughs> Did you put the D in the C section? Shit! We gotta get out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, by, cro- by Crooked Steps, uh, it's, it's got one of those cool, like, odd riffs again that just works. Um, mm-hmm. A Thousand Days Before. This has, like, kind of a twangy yet dreamy feel to it. Um, Blood on the Valley Floor, h- heavy Sabbath tinged one.
0: That riff stays in my head all the time. Yeah. Like, for some reason, that just sticks <laughs> in my head all the time.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's I think. I think perhaps when, when you were saying it hasn't aged, perhaps, as, as well as the others, I think that could be due to... I've noticed a lot of Soundgarden influence in a lot of modern hard rock bands. Like, in like, a lot of them sound like they listened to Super Unknown and they were like, oh, I really liked that. So, yeah. like, they, they all kind of had the same same idea where it was like oh okay right we're all gonna have this flavor but we're not gonna do soundgarden
0: none of yeah. them bothered to go any further back into their catalog though because they're just yeah. like no <laughs> no So all we need this is fine <laughs> this is fine
1: um oh, where where was i like a, like i was saying bones of birds that that's a oh, really cool song it's it's, it's really one. mysterious as well yeah um t- uh tari slow burner but cool attrition is like an up-tempo rocker um black saturday has this cool classic rock edge to it it felt kind of 70s to me at times Mm -hmm. um halfway there is a softer song it's nice i like it uh
0: worst dreams just that just sounds like a cornell solo song to me like it doesn't really sound like Soundgarden, but you know whatever
1: uh, what was it? W- Worst Dreams. It kind of indulges in some weird sonic choices, some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eyelids Mouth, awesome bluesy rundown riffs in this one. And then Rowing is just this big-ass, weird, epic closing track. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it it still deeply saddens me that Chris Cornell, who was and still is my favorite vocalist of all time, is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And even four years after he passed away,
0: he still left... Four years? Holy shit.
1: Yeah, but he left this incredible legacy and kicked ass his whole life. It's just, hearing this album, it kind of feels... I mean, I know he did a few things after this, obviously, but... It does feel like a bit of a swan song looking at this album in yeah, context yeah. to now. Cause like there was such a t- such a time gap between down on the upside and this one. And it's almost like they came back for one more and then, you know, I've said my piece. I I'm, I'm going to hang out with Cliff and Dime.
0: You yeah. Know? It it's 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 pretty it's bittersweet, I guess, because it does for a Soundgarden fan it does give their story a better ending even though even though it's my least favorite Soundgarden album prior to that like y'all you you just heard that they didn't get along and they broke yeah. up and if that was the end of the story then oh, that's just not yeah it's a pretty it's a bummer so at <laughs> least we know that in the end they came back together and for we sure. get this nice little nice little button on the end of everything yeah but yeah, that's my uh that's my number six with King Animal. Cool. Awesome. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna leapfrog over you back to where you were before because my number six is down on the upside. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I, needed, I, need, I feel like I needed some backup with that one. <laughs> this honestly, these two were switched for a little bit. Down on the upside ah. was last and King Animal was 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 number six. But um I think probably the the things that made this album all of a sudden jump up a spot were just pretty noose and blow up the outside world. Like the fact that those two songs are on here, I'm just mm. like, yeah, those are classic fucking songs to me. And so even though so this was the last of the original run as we talked about before, um once again this is a progression for Soundgarden. Um, not necessarily in the direction that I would like them to go. Uh, I remember when this album came out, it was a little bit of a letdown because I thought that they could do way better than this. But um, overall, like this is one, the opposite of King Animal. I think I like this album more now than I did then. I think it has aged a lot better. Uh, I guess because now, you know, like you, you know, we, in hindsight, you know where they're going as a band but um this is definitely less heavy and a more direct soundgarden sound there's still the little things that i talked about earlier in the songs and the odd the odd tunings odd time signatures odd little songwriting things here and there but there's less of them it's way mm. more pared down to the you know meat and potatoes soundgarden <laughs> um but there's still a lot of cool moments um but really this this just isn't an album that really excites me Um, There's a, there's a high percentage of songs that I would just call pretty good for Soundgarden songs. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't know if this is because of, you know, because we, we've already lived through them breaking up, but when I listen to it, I feel like they're a band that isn't really feeling it overall anymore. Yeah it feels like that in the songwriting and in the performances while they're still good and still leagues above anybody else making albums. Well, not anybody else. We just did 1996 and this one did wasn't in my top five, but, (laughs) um, but like when it comes to bands, I still, I think that they're still, they were still insanely respectable at this point. I mean, they've never not been, but um, it just doesn't feel as good even with the highlights. Now, the one thing that I got to say that I think may be, Um, I don't know, controversial. It may go against the grain a little bit. Um, I think Burden in My Hand is one of the worst Soundgarden songs. Oh, wow. It it doesn't connect the way... It's literally like a four or five, it's a five-minute song that all the way through is almost great. Like, it feels like this could be a little bit better. This part could be a little bit better. Everything about it is very exhausting to listen to for me because I'm pulling for Soundgarden. I want them to make another, especially following Blow Up the Outside World, which fucking knocks it out of the park. This one is just, everything about it feels like it just isn't quite good enough. And so it, it, so it makes me not like it because I would rather them just write a song that I go, this one isn't that great, than this song that feels like it should be great and it doesn't quite get there. It's a bit of a tease. Yeah, Yeah. I guess so. But honestly, there are several songs on this album that make me feel that way. Like, oh man, if they had just made some different choices, this could have been fucking great. But you know what? I mean, it's, I didn't, I'm not the songwriter or the, in the band. So I'm sure maybe Burden in My Hand is exactly what they wanted it to be. And, um, you know, I'm on the other end as the person Mm. taking in the music, but it just, it, it, I hate it. I hate it so much because I hear it and I go, this isn't good enough. (laughs) This is... And you heard it on the radio so much when I was younger and I'm like, why this one? Why is this the one that they're playing all the time?
1: I think as well, there was a thing, I think it was kind of similar to the Jim Martin situation with Faith No More. I think Cornell wanted to push for a little bit of a lighter sound, whereas uh, Kim Thio... I, this is something I've heard from another podcast. Um it was uh it was like the I think it's the grunge podcast. They did uh, uh down on the upside and while they're listening to it they're kind of praising it and stuff and they said they were kind of at odds in the band with like how heavy they wanted to be and I think yeah Kim wanted to get heavier or at least maintain the heaviness, mm-hmm. but it didn't really, it didn't really include him in that. So I think he felt a bit put out and that's why the band, I mean, there were tensions, obviously the band yeah. broke up. So,
0: do you, um, do you, do you, there was a, there's a funny thing that I've, I, that just, it made me laugh when I thought it in my head, I was like, you know what? On, on super unknown and on down on the upside, I can hear that Chris Cornell has short hair. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. Like
0: th- th- it's it almost it, 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 it's like you can hear that he cut his hair off, and it's just like that. Why is that a thing? That's so weird. I wasn't gonna bring this up, but I because your hair shouldn't z- matter, folks. Your hair should not matter.
1: That that's the thing. We're not shallow here. We're not shallow on this show. But there is a distinct shift. Right from like the thing is, the vibe on Super Unknown, which we'll get to the moment Chris turns up with the short, spiked up hair instead of those long, flowing locks, yeah. singing Black Hole Sun, right? It's not even a subconscious thing. That's a short hair dude song, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Whereas you listen to Outshine, the short hair Outsh- era of Soundgarden. Yeah, it's it's weird. Did they all have
0: short hair? Kim, Kim's always had long hair. I don't think Kim ever cut his hair short. Uh, he's, uh, he's he's the man. Yeah, So don't cut. Don't. I mean, I cut my hair short in my twenties too, folks. We all make mistakes. <laughs> did you actually? But um, oh shit, I did. <laughs> I, I had short hair. I had short hair from around the time I was, I think, uh, nineteen until about probably about ten years till shit. my late twenties. I had short hair. But it was mostly, God, don't even get me started on hair. I hate my <laughs> hair so much. That the only way I ever like it is long. So I had to go through a decade of like, do I shave my head? Do I go get a haircut? Because I get a haircut. It's like every, every man haircut just looks like a little boy haircut, no matter what kind of hair you got. Yeah. So it's like the only option I had was to shave my head. So I had like a buzzed head for a really long time. Um, but then I grew it back out again. I'm like, well, why the fuck was I do- did i ever cut it short it's because it wasn't cool anymore
1: yeah so i th- i think for me if if i had the choice because i was in like i was in the uh, air cadets from the ages of 13 to 16 and uh it was kind of more of a thing that i did because my parents wanted me to do it uh, mm-hmm. i would have much rather have been playing in bands although i did get to fly a plane a couple times and op- operate an assault rifle so you know nice there's there's a there's a back and forth here i just wish i got to do that more frequently considering the amount of time i had to keep my hair short you know i'm just (laughs) i'm just saying there's like a there's like a balance here that's not happening but yeah i I, although i will say I, i looked like a fucking dweeb with short hair like the biggest nerd i have ever seen like and i I didn't even have contact lenses at the time. So there was Mm -hmm. just this nerdy kid walking around in an ugly Kid Joe t-shirt, but with, like, fucking computer monitors on his face and, like, (laughs) just like a kind of puffy crew cut and like, honestly, looking at old photos of myself, I would pick on myself. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking you're a target dude. dude.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny how that's like, you, you, it shouldn't be an important thing, but to, to somebody like me, it is to the point where like, like somebody will like be, listen to this new band. I'm like, they sound pretty good, but let me go check out their hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so strange, isn't it? How like you look at a band photo and you
1: can kind of like gauge their vibe from like the hair that you've I got. I just feel
0: like not having long hair makes me feel like you're not really committed to this music. Yeah. Like it like it yeah. at any time you could become a pop band because you're already ready for it. That's and so I'm just I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm with you all every step of the way you, on you that. You gotta one. have at least one long haired dude in your band. The like one long haired dude at least, if you're gonna do heavy music. That's yeah that's, that's, that's the rule that I just made up. It's a rule. Anyway, so back to back to down on the upside. Uh, I'm with you that it's too long. Uh, the, the album's too long. They, they could have cut a whole bunch of songs, but that's a 90 s thing. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll, I, I'll wrap it up. The, the problem is there's not a, there's not enough really memorable tracks on here. Um, the album's not bad. It's just not good enough. Um, and like like we say with many bands, I feel like at this point, I I draw a line and everything from here on out like is just fucking amazing and that's why w- with down on the upside I hear it and I go yeah this is it's it, unfortunately when you do the kind of albums that Soundgarden did prior to this this just falls flat yeah and um, even with the really fucking strong songs and honestly do you think I feel like down on the upside is an album that Chris Cornell fans really like. Like I think there are people that are Soundgarden fans mostly. And then there are people that are Chris Cornell fans and they're into like everything he did and I feel like this is an album that would be higher up on their list. You see you know what I'm saying?
1: I yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that cuz like you know obviously Chris Cornell solo stuff has a different vibe to Soundgarden. So like this one yeah. this this kind of meets in the middle, doesn't it? It's kind of one of
0: those middle yeah. ground albums that pleases so, everyone. So yeah, I could see how this would be higher up on some people's list, but not on ours. So uh, uh, let's let's move on now. Now we're on to the to the top five, right? Yeah. Uh, welcome to the controversial
1: zone. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> uh, I I think now, you know how I said, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> I'm. <laughs> i'm gonna need some backing up here yeah from
0: at least okay i I mean i may not be able depending on what you're putting here i may not be able to back you up at all you i may this may end our relationship forever you guys may be hearing the ending of cranked and ranked right here in the Soundgarden episode so let's let's hear the emotional piano music mm <laughs> <laughs> just that just a tone that plays you know, like what is it? What is that show? Uh the the Who Wants to be a Millionaire with yeah. the tone they play do waiting the for somebody little.
1: to <laughs> <laughs>
0: <sighs> all right. All right, let's let's do it. What's your number five Soundgarden album? Okay. Short hair dude
1: album, super unknown.
0: Okay. I don't I At number five I don't I don't have a problem with this, but um, this it does. That is that is a bold choice to put it this far down.
1: It is a hot take,
0: and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm,
1: now that we're in the top five zone, let me just let me just say, I'm just going to make my case here. Everything here on in, I love.
0: So that's, I, yeah, that's like that's what I was saying. So we're we're it doesn't matter where they fall at this point because we're talking about amazing music at this point.
1: Yeah. Though I, I do have my preferences, so I'm
0: going to jump in. Yes. Cool. Don't, don't we all?
1: <laughs> so th- this album also took a while to grow on me, seeing as it's a major jump towards a more, much more of a modern production style in the sonic qualities of this album compared mm-hmm. to their previous records. But I'll be damned if this ain't full of excellent music at the same time. Um, yeah. And it, actually, no, I did put a note. Also, rip Chris Cornell's hunk long hair during this era. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> I put that.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So. Let yeah. Me- also. Also, he he started wearing shirts. I'm like, what's what the fuck is that all about, Chris? Yeah. <laughs>
1: so it's just like stop covering up the big dick energy because it's not cool anymore. You were a fucking <laughs> rock star.
0: Yeah. I guess it was a little bit of a rebellion against that, which I could understand. Yeah,
1: in a way, that's cool. But he could have kept the hair. (laughs) Just tie it back, dude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He got got it back later on. He did. He did. He
1: redeemed himself. (laughs) But yeah, it's... um, Yeah, Let Me Drown. Excellent groovy opener. Uh, My Wave is the ideal blend of weird and catchy. This is one of those weird uh, tuning songs, isn't it? Where, like... All of the songs are like, sorry, all of the strings are either E and B. Is it? Is one of those?
0: There, I have, I've never really looked into the tuning, but anytime I have, I've always been really surprised at like how many odd choices they just for yeah. one particular song tuning a guitar in a really weird way.
1: It's weird. It, it kind of makes me really interested in their process. It's like, do they just tune in a weird way and play around with chords, or do they? hear, just hear something a certain way and they have to figure out how to play it.
0: I'm I'm willing to bet it's a, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes like you do, you know, you'll play something and you'll hear a note going along with it that isn't there. And then yeah. you just tune your guitar appropriately to make that note work with what you're wanting to play. And I feel like part of it was that. But then other parts were probably... You know, somebody somewhere heard a song in a particular tuning, and they went, oh, let's fuck around with that tuning," and then they wrote a song with it. You know,
1: fair. Yeah, it's it's just one of those cool, one of those cool elements that just makes you think, "Well, this band really went the extra mile." You know, because so many mm-hmm. bands would say, "Oh, we're we're doing an album in uh, E flat. Look how edgy we are," and then you've got Soundgarden <laughs> over here doing doing shit like you know uh zq4 batman symbol <laughs> shit going on and here's you know?
0: and here's and then, <laughs> and then there's me that i'm i'm still using drop D. It is, I don't I'm like well i don't care i'm gonna write <laughs> something new it's always in drop d because i'm lazy
1: <laughs> oh man but like <sighs> fell on black days great song love this one it's a slow mm-hmm. burner but i love it so much mailman yeah. it has a juicy ass heavy groove to it
0: um yeah. super there's un- still some heaviness on this record for sure
1: yeah like they've definitely gone towards more of a polished sound but it's still super yeah. heavy at points mm-hmm. um super unknown is a cool upbeat vibey song uh head down is a is really cool some unusual sonic choices black hole sun is an anthem of generation x
0: Like, Mm -hmm. it really is. Um, You you heard that song a lot. Like, back in the day (laughs) when it was on MTV, it was inescapable. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) it was one of those things, that was around the time, that was right before uh, Headbangers Ball ended in America, and they did this thing called Countdown to the Ball, where it was the top ten rock and or metal songs. But it eventually just became rock because no metal was in the top 10. So you would always see Jeremy by Pearl Jam, and then later on, you know, this song. And it got to the point where it was just like, yeah, I mean, not only is it it playing here in Headbangers Ball, but also all day long in the rest of the programming on MTV. (laughs) It was that fucking big.
1: I love the video to Black Hole Sun. Like, I'm consistently entertained every time I watch it. But, like, I remember the first time I saw it, I had to kind of check myself to think, you know, what was in this fucking milkshake I just drank. You know, the first yeah. time I saw it, <laughs> I was like cuz like some of the effects happening in it are like really early CGI, but for some reason they also strangely look real at times and it's like uh, Is anyone else seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> I need an adult. Um, <laughs> um, Spoon Man. I'm gonna put my hands down and say one of the greatest riffs of all time.
0: Like, yeah, which was the which was the the first video they released from this album. So, yeah. Um, and I think that was right before the album came out. with the single was Spoon Man, and it was it's just such a odd song but also very catchy at the same time yeah so it's i I love that song
1: it totally makes sense for soundgarden though because it's in a weird time signature it's heavy it's catchy as shit and for some reason they just decided hey let's write a song called spoon man let's have it be about a guy that plays the spoons and the dude plays the spoons in the song and it sounds really cool you know yeah yeah um Limo rack is one of the most underrated Soundgarden songs, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I'm with you. I'm with you here, yeah. man. Yeah, like hearing him, and the wreck of you is a wreck of you
0: Like, yeah, that. it's. oh Yeah, that's 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 Chris Cornell being an utter badass. It's, yeah, and just vocally, I, I mean, that's one of the like I'd probably put that in my you know, top five Cornell, like vocal performances. Cause I know yeah. a lot of people will go to like birth ritual. Cause he hits these really high notes, but limo wreck for some reason, it's just the power behind it. Yeah. Power, like pure class from Cornell in that song. Yeah. Dare
1: I tried to live like there's so many anthemic. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like generation. That's a X fucking, jams. that's, that is a, a riff that I w- always play on when I pick up a guitar And it's there's nothing really special about it, but the fact that they came up with that how it keeps going down and down yeah do 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 just like just like for some reason I'm always just like that's so genius but also not that genius because it doesn't you know it's not like super hard to play or anything but it's like yeah it it just gives the gives the songs such a fucking huge epic quality. It's like they take a prog
1: approach to a punk vibe and like Ooh, I like that. Th- they end up with these like ridiculously complicated but almost primal at the same time kind of things going on. It's like we said yeah. it's just this this instinct that they have as as this unit that just knows exactly what needs to go where no matter how weird it is or how many times it does or doesn't repeat you know yeah yeah totally oh, um fucking kickstand uh it's punky hard rocker this one has some like gnr flavor at points a few like guns and roses ish moments mm-hmm. nothing that veers off into that full on guns and roses zone but there's a few moments that made me think i could hear you know i could hear
0: axel ranting over this um, something something that we haven't really pointed out that, that is i think a really interesting thing about this band is that they're one of the i mean not few but they're one of the those bands where the drummer wrote some music yeah. like matt cameron wrote the music for kickstand and he's written other things as well and so there's that there's that part where like they they were such a a great collection of musicians that even the drummer had songs yeah. and that's fucking cool
1: yeah oh man like looking at these now uh, seeing as this album has had so much time with me at this point i know i've put it low on the list that's solely based on how much i love everything above it but my mm-hmm. god like the strength of some of this stuff um fresh tendrils cool vibey one. Fourth of july is heavy as balls <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it. that's I would not feel out of place calling this grunge doom, you know? That song is is pure sludge. Um, Half is this cool vibey soundscape thing going on.
0: Um, I mean, I, I don't know
1: why that's on the album, but okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it,
1: it, it's weird, but I kind of like it at the same time. Um, and then you get Like Suicide. I'm sensing strong led zeppelin vibes on this track. And finally, I know it's a bonus track on later pressings, but I thought I'd mention it cuz
0: it's a qu- it's a quirky thing I do. Uh, I'm not like mm-hmm. other girls. Um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bail you out because it was on the original vinyl pressing.
1: Was it on the uh ah, like uh she likes surprises. I was going to I was going to jump into. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a weird weirdly happy but jerky feel to it and like the like all of those little weird things going on yeah but it in the same way that you know i know we've mentioned this before but in the same way that easy will close out certain pressings of angel dust <laughs> <laughs> this one it it, it has that it's gonna be okay. You're good now. You you listen to the album. Great job, guy. You know, yeah. It has that I prefer vibe it, to it ending.
0: I prefer it ending with like suicide. But I, I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I, I just like I like someone to hug me at the end. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so the re- the reason why I know that was on the original vinyl pressing. This is one of the things from my past that I wish that I still had. Is that um, one of my friends won. A, vinyl, a colored vinyl pressing of this album when it came out. So Holy back in ninety
1: 96
0: shit. or four. And um, they just gave it to me. Like, cause they didn't have a record player and Damn. they weren't really that into, they weren't really that into the album and they gave it to me and I had it for years. And then I, and I had a friend who was probably the biggest Soundgarden fan I'd ever met. Yeah. And I remember, like, for his birthday one year, I went. I don't ever play this. Would you like this colored vinyl? Goes, yeah. so I gave it to my friend. So I feel good that I gave it to somebody who's a bigger Soundgarden fan than me. Yeah. But now I'm like, God damn it! Yeah, now no, it's like <laughs> trying to get an original vinyl version of this album. F- forget about it. Well, you, you're <laughs> it's talking, not, not you're, gonna
1: happen. You're talking '94 as well. So like, vinyl yeah. was in danger at this time. Like- they
0: they yeah. It, once you get into '92 through the 90s they they pressed if if they if they pressed any on vinyl they pressed so few that you're yeah. like oh look there's a vinyl version oh it's only 400 dollars on <laughs> on discogs <laughs> and that's and that's that's what this so I, I i that's the one thing that i'm like man i wish i still had that but you know i'm i'm hoping that he held on to it cuz you know he the, for I'd feel stupid sure
1: dead. he for sure did if he's like the biggest sound garden nerd there is yeah, he um, was he was way into Soundgarden, and if that's like an original, it, not only an original but a special original pressing, yeah, like that's some that's
0: some cool shit to own. It's probably worth a fucking fortune as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that you you wrapped up for that, is, uh, that for is my super unknown. That is my number five super unknown. All right, moving on then to my uh, number five, which is not super unknown, um, like, like Eddie said, we're into unfuckwithable territory, in my opinion, starting now. Um, but, um, I had to put this one at number five just because it's not really an album. I had to put Screaming Life slash FOP here at number five, uh, which this version, the two EPs together came out in 1990, but it collects, uh, the Screaming Life EP from 87 and the FOP. It's, it, I guess it's an EP, but it's only four tracks or whatever, right? Um, yeah. Uh, on a, from um, 1988. So I'll kind of split this up by talking about each of the EPs. Um, so Screaming Life is their debut EP. And the thing that I love about Screaming Life is that from the first moment of music, you, you're already listening to an amazing band like it's yeah it's immediate and Chris Cornell immediately stands out as a vocalist and you listen to this and you're like yeah it's inevitable that this band was going to be huge because they right out of the gate were fucking great and the screaming life EP is kind of it's got like a real bare bones kind of recording uh, production style to it but it's really effective for what it what it is um yeah. and it's really good for a first EP um, it is kind of primitive Soundgarden, but, but the sound of Soundgarden is already there. Like They're already a very mm. unique band. Now, something that I never really thought about before until I went through and listened to their discography all the way through for this podcast, because I, I haven't listened to the first album all the way to last album ever. I've just, ran, I've just heard the albums. Um, early on, for the first handful of albums, Soundgarden didn't really like writing choruses. Yeah, Like there's no, most of the time there's not a discernible shift. You know, like a chorus has a part that elevates the song to a different point or whatever it is. They don't really do that very much. And it's almost like the mood and the groove and the vibe, whatever riff is happening. All of that shit is more important than writing a conventional song from EP number one. Like, they were already just like, we don't need to do things the way everybody else does things because we're fucking better than that. And um, (laughs) you you hear that on Screaming Life. Now, on the other hand, with FOP, um, this is not one that I ever really want to listen to because FOP is a cover song by the Ohio Players, and then there's a remix of FOP, which is like, okay. (laughs) And then there's one original Soundgarden song, which is a good song but not a great song, and then there's a Green River cover. It's like... It's almost like just, okay, well, this is fine, but it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, (laughs) even the production on it, I don't think is that great. And it doesn't, it's not something I want to go listen to, uh, when it comes to Soundgarden. But when you put them all together in this, it's kind of cool because you get to hear the beginning of this awesome band and you know how it all started. And so just just based on the strength of screaming life alone, like this this you know is is you know at number five, but um I think all all together, um, out of the five we're going to talk about, this is the one that I'll go to the least, just because uh, you you already know that there's so much more that this band is going to offer, you know, and so um that's why it's here at number five.
1: Fair enough. I, I think we've got another one of those episodes where it's just running nicely into the next, because my number four. Is screaming life slash FOP. Awesome, cool. So I love this as a collection. I love this collection as 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 like a whole album mm-hmm. in that kind of context. Because you know, I've I've never known either of them outside one another. I've always listened to it right the way through. Like with the exception of the maybe skipping the FOP remix every now and again, yeah. but. Mainly because it's like okay, it's like an extension of about six minutes onto a song (laughs) I've already listened to. Yeah, but um, you know, I like it from time to time, hearing all like the the cool warped late '80s remix shit going on. But um, yeah, hunted down right out of the gate, like that's one of my favorite Soundgarden songs. Just simply how how rough it sounds, but how it feels like kind of a mission statement where it's like, this isn't like metal, but it's heavy and it's sludgy and it's, and it's doomy, but it's also punky. Like what's going on here? That
0: sounds like the definition of grunge to me.
1: Yeah. That song, like that is a, that's a grunge mission statement right there. Um, Entering has this killer vibe. Love this song too. Tears to Forget is this wild punky one with the trademark odd time signature style mm-hmm. they would become known for. Nothing to say is really do me, and I love how crushingly heavy it is at points. Nothing <speaking voiceborah> <speaking> 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 like that. That there is oh, every time I hear that one, it's like hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Little Joe, this is a cool psychedelic trip meets a weird rapping type thing, and I love how unapologetically weird it is. Mm-hmm. Like Chris Gone now, rap like a really high-pitched <laughs> You know, you know. <laughs> and that, that like boom 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 like all of the choices on this are already so bold mm-hmm. and out there, yeah. but they're so cohesive. Um, Hand of God feels really, really grungy. So far, the grungiest in my opinion. Um, all those yeah, sub pop, Rock City, full on wild punk song, and I oh, love the I, phone call. I, I forgot skit. that
0: that's on that's on the newer version of that because that's not on either one of those EPs. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's a wild, funky,
1: sorry, punky song. And I love the skit in the middle about like getting rid of their sideburns.
0: <laughs> I think that, I think Sub Pop Rock City was one of those ones that was released on 7-inch for Sub Pop, like the 7-inch club or whatever. I think it was one of those. Right. I, I seem, I, I, I keep forgetting that like they ended up including that on here too.
1: Yeah, because that's, that's one of my favorites on here. It's just mm. so fun. Um, fop again, like you say, is a cover of the Ohio Players track. Uh, I love it like da down, 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 like he- hearing that. It this is why I love the late 80s and early 90s because rock bands were really flirting with funk,
0: yeah. If they mm-hmm.
1: weren't even if they weren't like a funk rock or funk metal band, they were still like, Hey, let's get some. Let's get some funky fresh jams up in here well Hell they yeah. were, but
0: they were they were they like bands even into the 90s would would flirt with all sorts of different kinds of music in their cover songs, yeah, whereas it seemed like now nowadays if a band covers a song, it's just another rock song, and I'm just like, all right, well, that's really boring because here's something for you Is there a cover song made in the past 25 years that you think is any good?
1: 25
0: Let's make years. it more 20. Let's just make it this millennium. Can you think of a cover okay. song that hits you the same way that, say, uh, uh, fucking, I don't know, um, uh, Helpless by Metallica or something like that? Like, you know, just like the, like cover songs, bands would do cover songs that almost seemed like they made them so much their own that they were equally as good to the original. But now, anytime, yeah. any, even bands I love, anytime anyone covers a song, it's always subpar, like now. Yeah,
1: I will say I do like the Megadeth cover of Cold Sweat, but
0: that's, that's more of a guilty pleasure than anything. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's fine, uh, but it, I, doesn't, it definitely doesn't hold up to the original song. But yeah. um, it's, just, it's just a weird thing where it seemed like bands would put cover songs on albums back in the day, and I'd be like, yeah, but now when I see that, I go, you're fucking wasting my time with this shit. Yeah you know, most of the time. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of like when I see a
1: a Metallica cover on, like, a Metalcore album. It's like, could you have not been a little bit more ambitious than this? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, sure, Battery is a great song and all, but, like, way back when, you know, when you've got bands like Sacred Reich doing songs like 31 Flavors, come on, like, I know that's (laughs) not a cover, but you know, make it yeah, make, make a bit that more vibe of, a bold of flirting creative with different choice. music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like the use of a cover spot should allow for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. If, so, if you're gonna include one. Just just not to derail us, but you know, I just there's a thought that was <laughs> in my head.
1: No, nah, it's cool. It's, it's what the show's all about. All talking about <laughs> music. <laughs> um so yeah, like we were saying, we got the FOP fucked up heavy dub mix which is a fucked up heavy dub mix of
0: the previous (laughs) track there you go you get get what the title Um, says
1: yeah Um, Kingdom of Come Punky One, Good Fun and Swallow My Pride is a cover of the song by early grunge act Green River and I really like it I also really like the original Green River version it's just cool to see how like involved everybody was in that scene Mm -hmm. because like everybody was friends you know pretty much like it everybody had been in every band at some point and you know that's what i love about that that late 80s seattle scene going on absolutely yeah before before it broke in the early 90s there's this cool camaraderie between everyone
0: And I think that's why Um, I think that's why the quote unquote Seattle scene became a thing, because not only were there all these great bands, but it almost seemed like you could tell that they were all friends and they all loved each other's bands, you know, and and it it just seemed for if if any if anything else, it was just the fact that I was like, well, that's cool. I wish I lived somewhere that had that kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so that's my number four with uh, "Screaming Life" fault. Awesome.
0: Pop me right, don't you pop me wrong? Ooh, so my uh, my number four, uh, I'm just I'm moving up uh, one album in their discography to their debut full length album, Ultra Mega Okay, uh, from 1988. And this, I feel like it's a like everything from this point on. Like they make they make steps up, like they improve things about what they're doing every time. And this is just it's such a fucking cool album just from the beginning yeah. of flower, just the groove of that song. Like it just, it, it's so good. It, I don't, I don't really even know what else to say about it. It's just a fucking great <laughs> album. It's a, it's a more fleshed out sound, um, for what they're doing. And I even like the production of this album better than screaming life, even before the remix. Cause the, the version that you hear online now is the remixed version, which still sounds good. But, um, I like the original mix of this too. It still sounds really good. But the big thing about Ultra Mega OK is that there's, to me, there's a big leap in songwriting, like an improvement in what they were doing. Um, and there's still, like, like the, I would say that, that through Louder Than Love, they, well, even through Bad Motor Finger, they were so unconventional in what they were doing. Yeah. That... It's almost like nothing was off limits with just making weird choices in songs um, or just having a song be a weird thing on its own. But this just has so much good shit on it. Beyond the Wheel is like one of the best Soundgarden songs but really, like, the, like, everything is already here for, for the, the things that I love about Soundgarden. Ultra Mega K immediately lays it all out for you. You got the odd riffs, odd time signatures, odd song structures. Like, literally, album number one, Soundgarden, is in a league of their own. And um, like I said, with the, with the Screaming Life EP, it's like, yeah, of course this band became huge because they were already brilliant at what they were doing. Um, and once again, a good variety of songs. I would say that like this is probably the one that I think has the most stuff that kind of fits together um, out of all their albums. But even then, it they don't they don't do it the same way every single time. And even though you know, I know they get a lot better than this. This is still just such a damn good album that even yeah. putting it at number four, I'm all like, oh really? Mm. I gotta put. Can I just put this as a joint? <laughs> can we do a joint number one for four albums but um but yeah, yeah. so I, I ended up putting it here number four just because i do think that um looking at it from a different perspective of, of other people like not just looking at it as my my preferences i do know that they did better than this album but it's still fucking great so it's my number four cool again
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna come in with my number three nice. being ultra mega okay uh, I love this one. I feel like it's. I feel like it's underrated, even by the band. You know, because the band were like they called it Ultra Mega Okay, because <laughs> they 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 felt like yeah, it's all right. They they weren't thrilled with how it came out. They weren't amazed with the production of it. But I like it. I like the way it I sounds. I like it too. Yeah,
0: it it feels very raw, but still fleshed out. Um, there's something about those, the Jack and Dino produced grunge albums, like, you know, bleach and stuff like that. That yeah. just the sound, I just love the way they sound. They're like, like it's not great sounding. Like if I was a producer, I'd be like, Oh, I'd probably do yeah. some different things here, but I just like it. The character that it adds, to the album is fucking great. It's just that early grunge vibe, isn't it? It's just that,
1: that cool, dirty, but like pretty psyched out kind of vibe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Flower is one of my all-time favorite Soundgarden riffs and songs ever. Like, the riffs in this are insanely cool. Um, It's kind of, like, bordering on groove metal, pretty much, mm-hmm. with this song. Um, All Your Lies, much more on the chaotic punk side of their sound like I love that rundown like don't no 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 don't no 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 ding da like all of the, all like those little all of those little rundowns where it's like they didn't have to do that but they did it because it made yeah. it so much better um you know he, this is this is the part where they're taking the piss out of like the metal bands and stuff they've got a, they've got an interlude called 665 uh <laughs> and then <laughs> then you get beyond the wheel which is easily the heaviest song on the
0: album yeah and then i, th- I you think get on another... their i think a beyond the wheel on their last tour i think it's the only song from this album that they played i think yeah i mean it's it's a fucking good one true true like ah oh,
1: i remember like hearing it and like seeing how high i could sing <laughs> and I, I impressed myself because I did a pretty convincing rendition of "Beyond the Wheel" in my bedroom. I'm currently sick, so unfortunately, you don't get to hear. hear oh the, man! Uh, I'll, I'll give it a go. Oh shit! <clears throat> I didn't think this was yeah. gonna happen.
0: Beyond the wheel. And
1: yeah, that's Ooh. pretty good. Wow! <laughs>
0: that was yeah. That was like was Rob tasty. Halford.
1: Rob Halford doing it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, six six seven is another spooky interlude to bring you back out of beyond the whale. I feel like they had this entire like metal section of the record where they were just like, <laughs> "Here's our like, here's our heavy moment." Um, and then you get "Mood for Trouble," which is like on the opposite end, which is pretty much like alternative rock with this like weird psychedelic edge to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh.
1: But then you get Circle of Power, which is mental. You know, Hiro Yamamoto uh, is doing vocals on this song, going absolutely crazy, and it, it's like, ah, Circle of Power, big ass Circle of Power coming to get you. you Who know? was
0: the original bass player? We haven't really talked about Hiro Yamamoto yet, but oh, he, oh yeah, he, he, he was the original bass player up until uh, Louder Than Love, and then he, well, he, I think he left the band after they recorded that album
1: yeah which like i bet when bad Motorfinger finger came out he he might have regretted it like he he might have thought ah oh, shit maybe i should have stayed on but i don't know if he
0: was if he wasn't yeah. happy with louder than love i don't really know what he wanted honestly i'd yeah. say it's, it's very confusing to me but you know he's his own person
1: yeah i mean it, perhaps he might not have wanted the fame you know maybe or, yeah um yeah, he didn't is this winding hypnotic rocker. I I love it. It's like, like so cool. Like all of the riffs on here are badass. Smokestack Lightning is is an awesome rendition of the Howlin' Wolf song. Um,
0: so there you go, like a cover and the band made it their own thing.
1: Yeah, like even the riff is different though as well. Like they really did make it their own. Um that was another one of my, <laughs> I've got a fun story about this one. I've kind of like, I've done my voice in with that uh, beyond the wheel one. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm still a little bit ill from a head cold, but uh, yeah, smokestack lightning has this crazy bit where I'm sure it's like the highest note he ever hit, or it's definitely one of them. Where it's like, We're gonna drive it slow! like all of those like really high up ones near the end. And back in college, me and my friends used to have this uh contest to see if you can sing higher than Chris Cornell on this song <laughs> you don't have to pay for pizza and it was it was just this fun little game we had where it was like whoever could do the highest um note at the time uh won so to speak i I always Man, won. i would,
0: I would, <laughs> I, would
1: fuck, I would lose every time. <laughs> oh man uh nazi driver like is is one of those more punky ones it's really dynamic and intense some of the i, I love some of their titles as well like nazi driver head injury has an awesome riff and title um oh, in incessant mace some serious black sabbath vibes on here but still has that unique sound flavor and i'm gonna mention this as well one minute of silence is one of those cool moments where you feel like a fly on the wall during the recording process, because it's not silence.
0: Like it's it's no. a little
1: it's a mic picking something up, and you almost I, you. I love it's the fact that they like, consider it.
0: They consider it a cover song, which is fucking hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the fact as well that you
1: can hear like murmurs and giggles as well, where it's like, it you almost feel like you're peering through a hole and you're like, I'm not supposed to be hearing this, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, it's also, it's just like every time I've, I've, you know, listened to the album and I've thought about that song, I'm just like, it's literally a minute of nothing. That's a cover of another song. That's a minute of nothing. And I'm just like, that's the weirdest idea ever (laughs) of just like, like what? (laughs) It's like but that but that's a that's a one where they once again they did their own spin on it. They had some little murmuring in the background have you ever have you ever
1: seen that uh famous composition that is i think it's called like four three three, and it's literally just the composer sitting down and doing nothing for four minutes and thirty three seconds, but it's like an no. actual it's considered an actual composition it's scored out at everything. But the idea is that the audience doesn't know what they're in for. And it's like one of the earliest pranks in music ever, where the dude just comes in, sits at a piano, closes it, and doesn't do
0: a thing for four and a half minutes. I mean, it's a cool idea but like like that like honestly like that's you can only do that one time yeah yeah because you you always have somebody like me in the crowd and as soon as some dudes like i'm now i'm going to do 433 and i just be like go oh, fuck yourself it's yeah. just like like you, we get it we get it it's very clever now
1: move I think, on. I think the best part about that though is I think they're like secretly intending to elicit that kind of reaction so that <laughs> they're just sat there quietly pissing themselves laughing just up here on a stage. So it's the like,
0: song is going to be called 433 featuring Steven because that's <laughs> it's going to be a new version of it because I'm going to be yelling at that dude. Oh man, I'd pay I'd pay so much
1: money to see that. <laughs> just, just that event. <laughs> But yeah, that is uh that is my number three.
0: Awesome with Ultra uh, Mega OK. For so all right, so now we're at the point now. Um this one moved to number three for me because I realized that I think I give it a lot more credit because I love it so much. And I don't know listening to it on its own in the Sequence of albums for Soundgarden I'm like I had to be really Tough with it and go well I love It this one would more likely be My number two personally But I was thinking about Things where they went what They did the album as what it is Compared to the albums that would come later And it it Hurts me to put it At number three but I had to go with louder than Love for number three uh, From 1989 And this is I absolutely love this album. And to me, it's a big step up from ultra mega. Okay. Which I already think is great. Yeah. But fuck, I don't even know what to say about this album. It's just the, it's got, it's got a very eighties production kind of sound. It's, it's Terry date, which Terry date would end up also doing like Pantera and other bands like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think he did. Panthe- I think Cowboys from Hell was was that 1990. So yeah, I think that, that was, was the, the year after this. Um, and Louder Than Love's the last album with Hiro Yamamoto on uh, on bass, and um, he apparently left right after they finished recording. So, I actually have um, the uh,
1: T-shirt right now. Oh
0: yes, there you go. Great. Yeah. I love that album cover too. <laughs> um, so the first thing I heard off of this was obviously Hands All Over, because the video was played a lot on MTV. But um, without doing a track by track, because every track on this album to me has something cool you can say about it, but just to single yeah. out a couple uh, Gun. Oh. Gun is a song that is absolute definitive proof that Soundgarden were not content approaching songs in an average way. Like they, this is literally a song that gets progressively faster as the song moves on. And just the fact that they wrote the song and if they had played it in just one tempo, it still would have been pretty cool. Cause the riffs cool, but just the fact that they decided, you know what, we're going to get faster and faster and faster as the song moves on. And then it eventually, eventually gets to the part where it goes, fuck it up. And then it gets like really fast. Yeah. And then it, obviously it goes back to the beginning, but every time I hear that, I just, I, I, as a, as a musician and a songwriter, I've, I've I always listen to that and go, I love that they made that choice with this song because they didn't need to do that. They didn't yeah. need to do the song that way, and that's that could be said about so many Soundgarden songs where they make choices that make them unique to Soundgarden, and make a song that would already be fucking great even better. But a like, gun is so fucking cool. Um, yeah. And honestly that the, that's a really good example of the album because the album to me is an album that never lets you get too comfortable and I and I mean that in a really good way like it's you're not you're not sure what you're going to get next with this album um and the other song that I want to point out which is um up there with my favorite Soundgarden songs is Loud Love which yeah. it's just so, it's just so great it's just I don't know what it is and once again it goes you know, all, this album also goes along with my thing where i'm saying there's not really any choruses like even with even with loud love you could say him singing loud love is the chorus but it still uses the same riff you know, it's like there's no like they they the way they would write songs they they didn't do this thing where oh now it's time for the chorus yeah um it's almost like there's a ending to a chorus that happens, you know, with the hammer on that part, like that, that just goes right back into the rest of the song. But, and not to mention that great fucking middle section. (sighs) Yeah. It's just uh, fucking cool. Funny, fun, uh, fun, uh, fun fact though. The music video. Well, I mean, around the time that they toured for this album, the bass player was Jason Everman who was previously in Nirvana. Yeah. And so if you watch the video, it's not Hiro uh, Yamamoto, it's it's Jason Everman uh, playing bass in that video. Yeah. But anyway, it's ahead.
1: really cool. I, I got to say as well while we're on the while we're on the topic of the video, I fucking love that video. Yeah. There is there is just this vibe in that like room that they'd set up. And like the clips of like slow mo car crashes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, in, oh, there's just something about it. And Chris walking around, just posturing like a fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. Like, singing this, like, so powerful but soulful in delivery. And then when he just barks out loud love with that riff underneath it. And, like, everything about that song just fucking nails why I love early Soundgarden. It's just yeah. that, like, it's different to what was going on at the time, but it it's still... I mean, they, it, it never struck me like they were afraid to do anything, but no. it, it they also didn't come off like they were trying to... In other words, not be sexy because a lot of like the like he he's still up there with his shirt off and his long flowing Robert Plant hair. Yeah, you know? he's well, I mean, still it's, owning the fact he looks good
0: well, <laughs> and he well, sounds not, good. Not, not just that, the song "Loud Love" to me, it's almost like the 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 rock song equivalent of an animal. You know, when an animal like makes a particular noise to let everyone know it's ready to mate. That's like. That's exactly how I would put it. Like, like Loud Love is literally like if I if, if like Soundgarden playing cool. the, yeah it's like it's <laughs> it's almost just like just play if you're mm. really serious about a girl just dedicate that song to her just like just listen to how, I mean that's I mean, that's got to get the vibe out there that you're ready for yeah. action cuz it just feels Sexy. sexual and not <laughs> not the way that like other bands were trying to do it where they're all like, I want to get with you kind of shit. This is literally just like the most primal kind of, I can't even explain what it is, but it just has that feeling of like a mating call in a song and it's just fucking brilliant. I mean, I I mean, it it, it wins me over
1: and I don't even like dudes. (laughs) I think, I think the bet the best way to put it is that they're being classy about it. And like, all of the glam bands were very tongue in cheek and it's like, yeah, we're going to go shag in a dumpster behind Applebee's. Whereas like with what Soundgarden did on that song, it's like, you can imagine Chris is going to walk off that stage and he could bag any woman he, yeah. he wanted. Like, yeah. And he didn't even need to just be upfront with it. That song just radiates just that kind of sexual tension, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's anyway, it's a, it's a it's a killer song. Um but you're but you made you made a good point about they they really didn't sound like anybody else, but they also kind of oddly fit in with a lot of other music that was going on in the late 80s. I yeah. always feel like louder than love, why I love it so much is because it's too weird for the metalheads. It's too metal for the weirdos, but it's absolutely perfect for the metal weirdos, which is exactly what I felt like. Because yeah. I didn't get into this album in 89. It was a couple of years later. But in 1989, I was listening to Faith No More and um, Living Color and yeah. these sort of not necessarily your straightforward, you know, rock bands. But I, you know, but I loved heavy music and rock music. And so I always felt like I was, you know, even though I, I eventually would consider myself a metalhead, I always felt like I was I was on the edge of that. Like I was one of those dudes that was, you know, ready to take on something that was more challenging, and I think "Louder Than Love" is that album. Like the the challenging music fans, but that they still wanted to rock. That's what you got with "Louder Than Love." Um, I I ended up putting it at number three, though, even though it's to me it it's better than that. But I think in trying to talk about the the Influence that the album had I don't think this one Was quite as impactful As the next two That I will talk about And so looking at it From that perspective I said okay This is an amazing record But it it doesn't quite have that reach That the, the next two do And honestly yeah. this is also The last one that I would consider Quote unquote weird Like even though they had They always had their odd like i said before time signatures tunings whatever you want this is the last one where there there are songs on it where i go they're being kind of weird here like they're, they like they never did a song again like like a big dumb sex that never happened again <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's which is like, that's which which, which, which yeah. they, now that they put on an overtly sexual song but just taking the piss out of that kind of music it's it's almost like
1: it's almost like loud love is what stole the glam guy's girl. And then big dumb sex is just him rubbing it in his face. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially with the fuck you. <laughs>
0: like, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, just to wrap it up really quickly, so I don't go on forever about this album. That's uh it. it to me, it's, it's up there with their, their best shit. And, um, I really do, uh, Love it, but I, yeah, I had to put it at number three, unfortunately, um, because it made sense in the grand scheme of things. So that's my number three louder than love. Fair enough. Uh, here's my number
1: two, and now I want to make it very clear with my list there are, you know, pretty much the moment you get to like number four and number three, those could those two could change any day of the week. And like I would like to say for these two as well, but I've always had a bit of a thing for what came before it. So my number two, my number two pick is Bad Motorfinger. Wow, okay. So
0: <laughs> that yeah. didn't give anything away, did it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh I can't I can't wait. Can't fucking wait to talk about my number one again. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Rusty Cage, I heard this bad boy on GTA San Andreas and I love it just as much as the first time I heard it, which Mm -hmm. is a lot. And then I saw the video for Outshined on like Scuzz TV over, over here that that's like a music channel. I don't know if it's still on TV anymore, but, uh, I saw this video on there round about the same time I was getting into grunge. Like you're talking maybe 2012 so, yeah, it would have been around that time, because my my leg was broken in 2012, and I remember because that's the that's same time as I got into grunge. Listen but, to last um,
0: last week's Was it last week's where you told the story about that? Which I think I think so. Yeah, I think I think that's one. Uh, yeah, so the the top our top five of 1996. Go back and check that out to hear <laughs> our, the whole story our, of our Eddie's five, broken leg.
1: Our top five knee injuries. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, outshined really cemented my need to go out and buy bad Motorfinger because I was just there like, okay, rusty cage is really cool, but that was the next song that really sold me on getting it because I was like, Oh fuck. There's two songs on here that are this good. That's a good <laughs> sign, you know? And then I picked it up and then, you know, obviously the only two tracks I've heard first two tracks. You know, Rusty Cage outshined it. Then I get Slaves and Bulldozers and I'm thinking, oh, hello. Yeah. Oh, this one is fucking amazing too. And then Jesus Christ pose happened and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm, they've, they've slapped me in the face with like four different vibes, but they're like very consistently Soundgarden. Then face pollution happens, this wild punky hell ride mm-hmm. then you get somewhere which is this like psychedelic mellowed out track well placed after ap- two absolute ragers um searching with my good eye closed has such a cool vibe to it like it's heavy in this kind of droney way but still really catchy and like it, it's one of those songs that i always picture being quite airy like Every part of it just fades perfectly into yeah. the next. And, like, it's one of those just really big ones. Um Room A Thousand Years Wide, like, is this awesomely heavy song. It has a completely crazy avant-garde saxophone solo that just works mm. yep. for some yep. batshit insane reason mind riot is is a nice chill vibey psyched out track i love when they yeah. do this like the fact that they can do these really chill moments and then rip my face off with like a song like drawing flies which is this sleazy cool hard rocker um holy water is suitably heavy with that awesome like odd breakdown section yeah but da am now like, yep. those little stabs. Like, everything on this record is extremely interesting. And then, finally, you get New Damage, which closes out the record in, like, full-on sludgy mode. And I'm now realizing how much I adore Soundgarden as as a band, because, like, especially my top two picks, my God, yeah. they're... they're there's nothing there's nothing wrong with them there's they're just so fucking good yeah um I'm, i mean I'm, i i agree 100 i'm at, immediately following this i'm probably just gonna put one on after the other i might need a sound <laughs> a late a late evening sound garden binge i like that but yeah cool. well <laughs> too um, bad motor finger.
0: Yeah. I like uh,
1: I like that you let me I like that you let me just gush over this one.
0: <laughs> that's fine. You can because I'm yeah. not we're gonna have a little bit of a break because I'm not talking about Bad Motor Finger yet. Um <laughs> my number two is Super Unknown from 1994. Fair. Um and this this switch places with Louder Than Love the more that I kind of thought about it because this is the biggest Soundgarden album. Yeah. And Um, I enjoy it as I do with many bands' discographies because this is a progression from what they did before. And honestly, if they had ended here, this would be a pretty fucking damn good ending because the problem is with Down on the Upside is that they continued down a path where they they did give you something that was slightly different but not exciting enough.
1: Whereas in this
0: case, with Super Unknown... It's a more polished and more direct version of Soundgarden, but still maintaining all of their little oddities that make them sound like no other fucking band. Yeah. But, they, but they added in other elements of these, these really catchy, melodic, beautiful songs in this album. Um, and it's weird because it's... Listening to it like right after Bad Motorfinger... You'll, you'll, you notice that there, yeah, there are a lot of moments that are lighter, but there are moments on this album that I think are heavier than anything that they had ever done. Like there's a, there's a really good balance there. Cause there's some heavy shit on this record that people don't talk about that much.
1: Yeah. It's almost like it's got like the extremes of all of their sounds, but they'd kind of condensed the weirdness down a little bit. So it's like, yeah, it's really accessible, but it also has like, heavy
0: as shit stuff on it like yeah so there are a couple tracks that i think are not as strong on this album but what what makes this album so good is the strong ones are really fucking strong yeah. like ridiculously strong um and honestly, honestly i like the production of this album too it has a very full sound to it um but really like when it comes to the big hits You Can't Fuck With Black Hole Sun and The Day I Tried to Live. We already talked about those two just absolute classic Soundgarden songs. But there are some hidden gems in there. We already talked about Limo Wreck. Limo Wreck's one of my favorite Soundgarden songs. But another one that isn't quite as obvious because it's a little bit odd that I love is Head Down. Head Down Mm. has this vibe and I don't know what it is about it. It's a song that kind of it doesn't actually really ever go anywhere else than the one kind of basic thing that it's doing, but yeah. it's so cool and it creates such a great vibe that it could be like a ten-minute song, and I would be yeah. absolutely down for that because it creates this great vibe. And there's there's so much good shit. Um, so the so the first song that I heard on this album was Spoon Man because that was the first video, but um, I'm sure you probably already know this, but Spoon Man. The riff for Spoonman was previously in the movie Singles. Yeah, like during a little sort of in between two scenes part, you hear the riff for what would become Spoonman, like three years later or two years later. I remember watching Singles
1: and thinking, "Wait, what?" (laughs) Like when I when I heard the riff, I was like, "That that's not out yet," you know.
0: (laughs) And and not only that, you get Chris Cornell in the movie. Yeah. Which we, I think we joked about before how it's funny how he just shows up like he's a he's a fan of car stereos. Like he does yeah. he's nowhere in the movie. And then once Matt Dillon's like, I got a new car stereo, Chris Cornell's like, oh, I'm into this. Let me check <laughs> out this car stereo. <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway, so uh um honestly, I really do think that that if Super Unknown was a few songs shorter, because it is a little bit too long in my opinion. Um this could have a really good case for being the the number one soundgarden album because it's that good. But yeah. even as it is now it's still a fantastic album and um yeah, I had to put it at number 2 just because this is out of their out of all of their albums like we talked about before this seems to be the one that influenced so many fucking bands. Yeah. Um and every you hear every year you hear new bands that are trying to do things like they did on Super Unknown, and they can't do it just because. Like I said <laughs> earlier, there is no band like Soundgarden. There are bands that are similar, but no band like Soundgarden. And any band that's trying it can't do it as good. I, I really do think it's a void that, if it does get filled with a band, I'll be dead. I don't think there's ever going to be a band that comes around where I go. This makes me happy, not <clears throat> you know, because we don't have Soundgarden anymore. No, that's not it. It's it's never going to be filled but but super unknown was that album that i think really started to bring out these bands that were like we well, want to do that shit like that um anyway um but yeah that's my number 2 uh uh super unknown
1: cool so uh we we get to we get to gush about my number 1
0: i'm i'm okay with doing this because
1: i wanted to talk about this album more okay that was my that was my last sip of water i've i've managed to Managed to conserve it because uh, got kind of a kind of a throaty thing going on here. <laughs> I'm a little hoarse, but
0: you—you uh, yeah. look a human to me. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'm, hey, I'm a dad. Okay, let me have, let me have my jokes. <laughs> I've just got this like image right now of like a freeze frame
1: of me and you, and like. Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the news starts playing, in the credits roll, and it says, Will began a new life as a pony at
0: a petting zoo. <laughs> <laughs> that is an odd combination of things in your brain. That is a, that is, it's interesting how your brain works. Yeah, every Your, your brain again. is like a Soundgarden song. It doesn't, it's all these <laughs> elements are put together that shouldn't work, and they do. I wish I I
1: wish I could come up with like more skit ideas that quickly. <laughs> but uh yeah, uh it's it's fucking louder than Love Time. Woo. So this is one of their heaviest, if not the heaviest of their records with the emphasis on that kind of production and 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 yeah. that aspect of their sound. Um I'm just gonna jump right in. Ugly Truth is five mm-hmm. and a half minutes of pure vibe, and I love it. And it's it doesn't feel like an opening track. No, no, at it all. doesn't. But like it in a way it also makes sense because it's like you said, this is metal for the weirdos, you know, in, in a but, way. But but
0: really, like if you think about it, like what song should have started the album? I can't think of just looking at him, I'm like, I don't know what would have been. The yeah. appropriate beginning. Like none of these songs feel like they feel like you're already in the middle of a great album when it starts,
1: you know. I feel like I feel like loud love could have opened it with the way it starts, but on yeah, you're the, probably right. On, like, but I like where it is on the album. I like that looking would be, forward to it. That'd
0: be that'd load very quickly. load very quickly and I meant I, that I, in a sexual way
1: I, I was literally about <laughs> to say that, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like oh, I, Hands All Over. I got, I got a fun little story about Hands All Over. I made a music video for this song uh, for a media project back in high school. I've and seen it. You, yeah, I was going to say, you can find it on my second channel, Eddie Sparks 2. If anyone wants to Electric watch... Electric Boogaloo. <laughs>
0: if,
1: anyone, if anyone wants to watch a 16-year-old me, my friend and my uncle, in a music video of our fictional band, Alice in Thunderland... <laughs> <laughs> to, to promote our song, Hands All Over. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool song. Also, we nearly burned down the shed because one of the sheets caught fire from one of the lights. And uh, <laughs> it's funny, I went I went to the shop like just a few doors up and I came back down the road and realized that there was smoke coming out of the roof and I thought, oh, shit, no. And it smelled really weird because these were like... These were like rags that had paint and oil and shit in them because they were in like the shed. And I thought, oh god, don't tell me I'm burning down my grandparents'
0: house. It just so, it just uh, sucks that that didn't happen during the filming of the video because I'd have been like, just keep rolling. This is gonna be gold for this video. You know, let it burn it's funny there's a
1: certain point where you can see this really bright light wrapped in a sheet and it's like how did i not foresee this happening at all (laughs) um yeah oh gun is heavy as fuck like Mm -hmm. i oh i love the fact again that it builds up also, do you,
0: can you even figure out what timing that song is in? <laughs> it, does, it still baffles me to this day. <laughs> He's <laughs> this
1: day. <laughs> 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 yeah, He's yeah, counting. I don't know, eleven
0: or something. It wouldn't, su- an, it wouldn't fucking surprise me. It's an eleven time. Yeah, it probably isn't. It's in, it's in eleven D time.
1: Eleven <laughs> D. <11-D. laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: like I I feel the fact that it starts so slowly mm-hmm. and then builds up has that crazy thrashy bit where like mm-hmm. there's even double kick in that if you hear like digga digga bat digga 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 like underneath yeah. it, um, uh oh, but like the fact it like falls apart completely and then. B- bow down, 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 like that makes Comes it right back around. hit so hard, like it's yeah. insane. Uh, pa- Power Trip is a Sabbathy, bluesy, grunged out, vibey one. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's a single song on here that doesn't have a killer riff. This is a riff album, like, if if you like riffs. There is absolutely <laughs> no fucking reason to not own this because it's yeah. incredible for that. Um, oh, get on the snake. See that this one feels not in style remotely, but like get on the snake. I could easily see that as a White Snake song. Like it's funny. Get, there's get, like get on the snake. Yeah, there's like kind of these like little jabs at like. Uh, I don't know what it is. There's, like, a weird tongue-in-cheek-but-being-classy-about-it-at-the-same-time vibe. Uh, And it's got a really cool, like, odd-time riff. Like A lot of the stuff on here is, like, really groovy, but weird and jerky at the same time. But Mm that... It it changes, like, the accents in the riff. Um, Full-on Kevin's mom... Pretty intense.
0: <laughs> like, See it, what I'm this, saying? They also never did a song like that again.
1: Yeah, like, uh, but this is another one of those ones where you said earlier they have like at least one fast punky one. Yeah. This is this is this one on this album. Um, Loud love is full on big dick energy. Um, I awake is scarily heavy. Like, yeah, that one is so doomy and crushing when it kicks in. And I remember, like, right at the start of this year, like, coming off of that hellscape that was 2020, I remember I, I put my iPod on Shuffle. It was on, like, the grunge uh, thing, it, grunge genre, and I put it on Shuffle. And what's the first thing I hear on, like, the first day of 2020? Woke up, depressed! <laughs> 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 I yeah. left for work and it was like, I'm literally doing this right now. <laughs> stop <laughs> stop narrating my life, Chris. <laughs> uh, um, no wrong, no right. Spooky and heavy, but like a bit more upbeat. Um Uncovered always struck me weird. It's got this like weirdly light kind of windy psyched out feel to it but it's still Mm -hmm. got that like riff in there as you know as a glam fan i know this is punk i know this is poking fun at it but big dumb sex is kind of like one of my favorites (laughs)
0: like (laughs) yeah
1: like i i love the fact that they did their own unique take on it did it well and still managed to make it just this middle finger to like what they thought was stupid at the time. But like, didn't Guns and Roses also cover it? Like on yeah. the Spaghetti Incident. Like, there's a little bit it, where he's like, "Hey, I, yeah." Yeah,
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure what song it's on, but they 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 put a bit of it in there.
1: Yeah, oh, man. And then finally, you get full on reprise reprise Uh, (laughs) and it's a nice little outro track and it's another example of one of those hey glad you enjoyed the album now go about i I like
0: yeah as an ending i like that it feels like the like an appropriate ending to the album
1: i love albums that have like a credit sequence like for me i love how diver down like by van halen closes out with happy trails yeah to you <laughs> until we meet again. Bah oh, I fucking love this album. Louder mm. than love. Louder than love and bad motorfinger, I can listen like one straight after the other and have an,
0: have a great time the entire time. Yep. That is my number one. And we and we and we we're gonna talk about them back to back too. I I I I think that <laughs> we didn't match up exactly on any album in this uh ranking. We I were, feel like we were- Right next I, to each other at times.
1: I feel like that that's, that's the thing with like a Soundgarden ranking is like certain placings could change at any day of the week. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm still very set on my number one. Like I was, I was, I followed my heart on this one because I was like, yeah, Bad Motorfinger is also like really well known, and also in my kind of wheelhouse compared to compared to super unknown, but God damn louder than love. Like that one for me, I'm done gushing. You, you gush on yours. Well, <laughs> um,
0: I am very secure in my number one as well. Uh, there, there's no, there was no discussion with myself about whether or not a bad motor finger would be my number one Soundgarden album. It is, um, before I, I it, it, to me, it is a perfect album. There, I, yeah. There is literally no bad song on this album and everything is so well done. <laughs> and I think it, it's pretty long too for an album that I would consider perfect because I do think it's a, it's almost an hour long. It's like 57 minutes long. It doesn't but feel it
1: though. Like that's the thing. No,
0: it does not. Um, so this is the first album with Ben Shepard on bass. And once again, they have Terry Date producing, although I do think that the, the production is a little bit improved here, but it is still a little bit... Um, it's not beefy enough for me because I think that's a, a that's a thing that, that Super Unknown has is it has a beefier production. But it doesn't matter because at this point, Bad motorfinger sounds how it sounds and I love everything about it. Um, once again, though, this is a huge leap in songwriting and arrangements. This is like a more mature and focused and heavier sound garden. It's like... The it, it feels like the most sort of confident album that they put out. Like they knew they were badass at this point, and yeah. then made Bad Motorfinger. And we already went through a lot of the tracks, but o- Outshined is where my story with Soundgarden really begins because it was that kind of song where you saw the the music video and this and the song and I just went like, this is like one of the best things I've ever heard. And I still think it's not only one of their best songs, but one of the best songs ever. And um, I just like this album because it's probably the most metal, if you're going to call any of their albums metal. <laughs> um, but, but it's still really odd. It still has the odd tunings and the odd time signatures. And, but the big thing about this one for me, from Louder Than Love, not just Louder Than Love, but even Ultra Mega OK, the lyrics seem like they got better. Like there, sometimes the yeah. lyrics on earlier Soundgarden, I'm a little like, did he rush these a little bit? Because all of a sudden, he went from being a person where I don't think the lyrics were necessarily that big of a thing, to Bad Motorfinger. I love the lyrics on this album,
1: yeah. And
0: maybe he just took more time writing them, or he just decided to try something new, and he just also kicked ass at that as well. I don't know. Um, but this was an album that came out the same day. As Nirvana's Nevermind and Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic, so that was a fucking good day. But yeah. <laughs> because of those two albums, I didn't hear this album until several months later. I was I got really into I, I got Blood Sugar Sex Magic first because I was already a Chili Peppers fan, and then once I saw it Smells Like Teen Spirit, I got Nevermind, and I lived with that album for months and months. And then you know when I came out of that, all of a sudden I was like. Oh yeah, the Soundgarden thing, and um, and it, this is the reason why I think this is their best album is because it's got the you get both kinds of albums here. You get one that has these immediate badass things that are in your face and you know they're badass, but then there's other things that you know are good, but it's almost like they reveal themselves to you with future listens it's almost like your favorite songs will change as time goes on because you'll be like oh man now it's now these songs are standing out like every song on this album to me stands out at some point when you're listening to it and i just yeah it's perfect there's it there's it's it's there's absolutely no bad song on it no no weak track no track that i wouldn't call fucking amazing it's literally all that's all it is is amazing shit All the way through And it still is one today that I listen to And especially as a songwriter And a guitar player I listen to it and I'm like man These guys had ideas That nobody else had And I still don't know where That kind of shit comes from And I know it's just It's got to be that grouping of musicians Because they I think that not only did they work really well together But I think they all challenged each other I guess And brought the best out of each other but just the just SoundGarden at this point in their career, I even like, you know, last night I, I watched a whole bunch of Chris Cornell related videos, just kind of getting in the mood to do this this episode. And you watch footage of them on the tour for Bad Motorfinger. And one of my favorite things is just watching how they move to the music because like the the my favorite is that when you get to the end of Rusty Cage when it slows yeah. down. Uh, uh, Ben Shepherd like almost gets down on his knees playing his guitar so fucking low. It's like his yeah. body is going towards where the notes are going. Like he just, <laughs> and it's just great to just see those guys just feeling this fucking music that they made. And it's just, it's just so great. They were just such a great band. Um, since I'm talking about Bad Motorfinger, before I wrap this up, I want to talk about my favorite um, non-album. Soundgarden song, which came from the recording session of Bad Motorfinger, but wasn't released until way later. My favorite unreleased song by them was Black Rain, which came out on the Telephantasm compilation that came out, I think, in like 2009 or 2010, I think.
1: Which coincided with how I heard Black Rain, which is on the Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock
0: Ah, okay. set list, and that and, that was that was put on there. Yeah, and Black Rain was was mostly recorded during the Bad Motorfinger sessions, but they they weren't happy with it. And apparently, the only thing that was really changed was Chris Cornell re-recorded the chorus vocals, which I'm assuming that just means the fly on Black Rain. I think that part because that's the yeah. only part where it sounds like a different Chris Cornell than the rest yeah. of it but everything about that song from the fucking riff to Chris Cornell's delivery, which from everything I've read, that was just a demo vocal and he fucking <laughs> nails it. And it's just such a fucking amazing song that never gets old to me. Like I remember when it came out in 2010 that I was, I kept listening to it over and over again. I'm all like, this is like the sound garden that I love Th- this yeah. era of soundgarden um and i just it's one of those things that I just it's so great a song that they didn't intend to really put out until and they eventually did is that good like that's how great of a band soundgarden is to me but um so that, yeah so my number one is bad motorfinger i think honestly like like maybe i think now is the time because we w- i think we've probably broken 2 hours with this uh oh for with this sure. episode so, but even even I, I don't want to rush out of here because I really do think that that since we're we're talking about Soundgarden, maybe we should take a few minutes and talk about Chris Cornell. Um yeah. especially last night when I was watching a lot of Chris Cornell stuff because um the like I, I I'm a fan of Chris Cornell, but I don't think as much as you are. But um I loved Soundgarden, but after that, I wasn't really that interested in anything that Chris Cornell did. Um, I remember his first solo album came out and I had it and I thought it was pretty good, but it didn't do it for me. At that point I had already, you know, down on the upside had already come out and I was like, yeah, it's not that great to me. And then, then, so it was just one of those things where that happened and then audio slave came out, which was a thing that should have been great. But to me, it, it was the same thing where it, something didn't feel right with audio slave. Like it felt like the, the, the sum of its parts was greater than the actual product that it ended up putting out. I don't know how you feel about
1: audio slave. I'd say like, like I, I love the hits from audio slave at this, at this time, Mm -hmm. but like deep cuts wise, the only thing I can think of is gasoline.
0: Yeah, it's to to me. But I understand yeah. that that's a band that was probably important to a lot of people that were younger. But at that point, I was already I had moved on, and I, you know, because I love like you know Bad Motor finger, finger era, uh, uh, Soundgarden. I, I just wanted more, um, and even being a Rage Against the Machine fan, I wanted Audio Slave to be better. <laughs> but yeah. um, the the one thing that I did do last night that I hadn't done in a while was I went and watched the music videos from his solo album called scream, which is the one where he got together with Timbaland and did a pop album. And I have to say this, um, that album got a raw deal. I, it's, it's weird to, to see, especially in the music videos to, to see, Chris Cornell in this environment doing these songs because it's not like he wrote Chris <laughs> Cornell type songs and they made them pop songs his mentality was in the pop world like even in the the words he wrote the melodies he sang they went well with the music like it's when it comes wow. to that kind of music have you have you heard Scream have you not heard that album you
1: know i actually you know considering the fact that you know i say He's my he's my favorite vocalist. Like I I liked him in Audio Slave, and I love you know the stuff he did in Soundgarden. But I've never actually done like a deep dive of his solo stuff. Yeah. The only thing the only thing that comes to mind that I'm familiar with with his solo stuff is the song he did for um, Casino Royale, oh. the James Bond film. Yeah. So yeah. But
0: I was th- I started watching the Scream stuff and realizing that I actually enjoy it. Um, and I. I feel like it's kind of shitty that it didn't do better for him. But it started to get me thinking, though, because obviously Chris Cornell committed suicide, like like you said, about four years ago. And I started kind of going down a wormhole of thinking about him, why he would have done that, and my perception of him. Because to be honest... I started to see weird things in Chris Cornell when Audio Slave started. I remember seeing footage when they first that that band first kind of was premiering. They did a performance where I think they were on the edge of a building overlooking like you know some part of New York like on MTV, and they they they're playing Cochise, I think is this what you know the the the, the song at the yeah. time, and I just remember looking at Chris Cornell and being like he looks like he doesn't want to be there. Like the the big rock star kind of vibe thing was gone. Yeah. And it almost seemed like he didn't really want to make eye contact. And he wasn't, it was like something was really restrained in him. And this is back in 2000 and early 2000s. I don't know what year that was that that first came out. And then over the yeah. over the years, I would see, some performances of him and then when Soundgarden back together i would see some performances where i go ah there's chris cornell and then i would see another one where i go something is wrong with him like it seemed like something was wrong with him on stage there's there's a yeah. there's a concert they did um where they i think it was broadcast on just on like apple tv or i think it was before apple tv it was like on iTunes or whatever, where they did a special performance (laughs) and it was broadcast on that. And I just remember seeing him and like, he would barely move and he just seemed like he was kind of not really giving it his all when he was singing. And so I started thinking about all these things. And then I started to think about, um, the album scream where he literally tried to do something different and people just shit on it. And I'm just like, how, like, was he already struggling with his place in the musical world. Like like on, on, the unfortunate part about the tragedy of him dying is that we don't get to go interview him afterwards and be yeah. like, hey, can you l- let us know why? You know, that's the thing. And so here's the, the thing that, I've, that I feel is so significant about him is that he's not somebody who's like a big influence over me as a musician, but his death is the one that bothers me the most yeah. because he was so perfect as a rock musician, like his voice, his look, the music he made. He was like, if I was going to say, who's the perfect, like rock, yeah. rock and roll member to you, it wouldn't be like as much as I love like James Hetfield. Cause James Hetfield looks kind of weird. <laughs> He's got a weird face, but Chris Cornell was the package. And so the fact that that guy wasn't happy, like that blows my mind. And I know I know that success and good looks, that doesn't bring you happiness. I understand that. But it makes me even more so just want to understand it. And I wish I could ask him and be like, can you just let everybody know? Because a lot of people love you. Yeah. Can you let everybody know what happened? Because like, was it accidental? Was it... You know, was it, was he on some drugs and didn't know what he was doing or had this been a thing that had been building and building and building. And then one night after a show just went, fuck it, I'm out. And yeah. it just bothers me because I, because I want to know why I know I'm rambling on, but you can say a few words about how you feel about it.
1: I think, I, it, yeah, it, it does. It's, it's one of those deaths. It was the first time a, you know, so so-called celebrity death actually you know kind of really affected me because i remember i think that's the only time where someone's died and i was actually pretty teary about it like i remember i remember sitting on the on the bus on the way home thinking like god why the fuck did i decide on this day to listen to say hello to heaven in public you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you know, I was there like, oh man, why did you do this to yourself? But like I was I was broken from it. You know, I I remember thinking, shit, like of all the people, I did not that's the thing, I didn't expect Chris Cornell of all yeah. people.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? I mean I, I know that he'd you know, he'd had struggles with alcohol in, in the past, but like with regards to you, you know when someone just puts out this immortal vibe yeah <laughs> yeah know? he
0: really did he you,
1: did you know that that's that's what i got from him and then i i found out about it pretty brutally as well because i was sat on the floor just minding my own business i, I wasn't scrolling through any social media feeds or anything i was just sat with my friends all of a sudden my friend uh my friend comes around the corner uh from another class he says oh my god i was like what it's like chris cornell died i was like shut the fuck up he's dead and he was like no i'm serious i had to come away for a moment i was like what the fuck you know i i actually thought for a minute was it like some kind of tragic accident and then then when he told me it was suicide it was like
0: what yeah
1: yeah like Again, like I say, it's that kind of immortal
0: vibe that you just put across. It but was, it was a, it was a shocker. Like I I like the the that that it's a weird difference because like obviously people that I've obviously like when I was young I was I was really influenced by Kurt Cobain, but when he died, it it almost seemed like to make sense to me like it's a tragedy, yeah. but I un but I understand it. And then you go to like the only the I think the only musician I've ever. I ever actually cried when he died was, was recently when Neil Peart died. That hit me really hard. I don't know why, yeah. but it really did. But when Chris Cornell died, it was almost like I w- I was in shock. I remember yeah. like, I remember like walking that day. I had to go catch a bus and I remember walking to the bus stop and just like, usually I put on some headphones and listen to some music or something, but I walked like in silence. Cause I'm just like, yeah. I don't understand this. Like it was the most shocking death to me that, you know, for the the suicide, obviously people have died in accidents and that's shocking as, as it is, but yeah. just something about that, about him. It just, um, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I just wish that we had some kind of an answer, but we, uh, but we don't, but we do have like a whole lot of fucking music. Um, and it's yeah. good that you brought up, you know, say hello to heaven. Cause Temple of the dog is another amazing album that he was involved in. Um, and then, yeah. and, and, um, they, they got to do a little wrap up of that too. Like they did that temple of the dog series of shows. I don't know if they did, it was just one show or several shows where they, they got everybody together.
1: Yeah. it It's kind of like everything. It's almost like it, it almost feels in like kind of a morbid way. Like he was kind of tying up loose ends.
0: Yeah, like yeah, he it, made another it, Soundgarden album, brought everybody back together, you know, they were friends again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, like, because I remember seeing photos of the last show, and you can kind of see this pained look on his face. I, I know this is, like, kind of a downer, <laughs> downer but, like...
0: It's okay, you, I just you, think it's important to talk yeah. about with somebody like Chris Cornell.
1: Yeah, like, I could see something in his eyes on that, in the photos of that last gig where i'm thinking this dude is on stage in front of all these people singing original material that people worldwide adore and this dude's got like tears in his eyes he doesn't know why he's not happy or something
0: and it's and it's weird too because if you watch and i mean honestly like i said i'd seen that in performances from him for years but the odd thing about it even in the very last performance because you can see video of it online in certain songs you'll see him come out of the funk and all of a sudden, yeah. like when they did, Jesus Christ posed. He got way more animated and seemed, you know, a little bit more into it. But then another song would happen, and it's like everything just went back into him again. And it's you're seeing yeah. the, his emotional struggles in, in concert. And it just sucks because it you know I know that it's it's a mental health issue, and those yeah. are the kind of things that you cannot explain. You know if if you've yeah. never if you've never suffered with depression or anxiety or any of those kind of things, um, there's no way anyone can really explain it to you. And not only yeah. that, everyone's experience seems to be pretty unique, especially when you're dealing with a fucking rock star dealing with these yeah. issues. And so it's just weird. Cause you do, you see him going through that on stage and, you know, at the time I, I just looked at it and, you know, when I would see it before and I'd be like, well, maybe he's not happy. That's, you know, it sucks. Maybe he doesn't want to do music you know, maybe hopefully he he goes home to his family and he's happy or whatever. But I mean, apparently that wasn't even enough, but, um, yeah. so that's, it's, you know, not to, not to harp on the sadness here, but it is, I feel like, cause this is the, you know, the only time this is really the, I, I don't, I can't imagine us doing an audio slave cranked and ranked just because it would just be, what do they do? Two albums, three albums, audio slave three. and three it, albums, it yeah. would be a lot of us going, yeah, this is good, but not great. And so <laughs> I don't think it would be very interesting, but, um, I, so, I, yeah. am
1: quite int- I am quite interested in doing, like, uh, an episode where we talk about some of the early grunge albums that were, like, one-off projects and stuff. Oh, yeah. That could be fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. But,
1: uh, you know, with, like, your Mother Love Bone, your Green River, your, uh, um, obviously, Temple of the Dog, could be a cool one to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, so... So yeah, we we can wrap up Soundgarden. It's just one of those things where, if you really do you know dig into the, all the stuff that Chris Cornell did, you can't help but think about like what he was going through and and how it all ended. But um, just getting back onto like actually Soundgarden itself, the the run of Soundgarden, like we said, it's great that that they got back together and we got another album out of them, and their their story has a nice ending. Um, yeah. And and you know we've said this several times, but there there is no bad Soundgarden album, um, and uh, they're they're one of those bands that I really do think their influence is, is, is gonna is gonna last longer than a lot of bands of that era. I, I really do think that even Pearl Jam, as much as people are fanatical about Pearl Jam, I think you know give give us a few hundred years. I don't think people will talk about Pearl Jam very much, but I do think they will still be talking about Soundgarden because I really think that they had that special combination yeah. of things where they appealed to so many different people um, in different ways. You know, like I said, there are people like Down on the upside's an important album and they're a fan of that, but, you know, I love Bad Motorfinger and it's, 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 uh, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I always thought that Soundgarden was the uh, musician's, grunge band like the uh, musicians out, yeah choice. out of all of
0: the out of, out of all of the big four quote-unquote of grunge i would say yeah that's true
1: yeah but yeah cool we've uh right uh, is is this a record breaker is this our
0: longest is this our longest episode no i think i'm pretty no? sure we've done longer than this it's been a while though <laughs> it's been a while yeah. since we had a well over two hour uh, episode but i but it was worth it like i said i think this band deserves our, a lot more time um, so, um, and, and obviously for those of you out there who are listening, peanut butter platypus, thank you for sticking around, oh, yeah. um, this long <laughs> and uh, hopefully you're, you're not all depressed out there now because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I, th- I think it's good that it, I th- I
1: think it's important to just shine a light on, uh, mental health Yeah, agreed. and, and if, if, if one of your boys or girls out there is, is
0: even just check in on them, see how they're doing. Yeah. And, and and that's that's the thing is that also don't expect that you that you know everything about people because uh, you know you don't, <laughs> and, and um, but yeah I, yeah I agree that's that's our that's our our little PSA um, you know <laughs> go, make make sure that you're you're there that, you know if, if, to to lend an ear to somebody if they need it or something like that um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, Soundgarden, amazing band, um, and and we we ranked them, and um, so now we've only got one more. We got to eventually we're gonna have to hit Pearl Jam, but I, I think we'll give ourselves a little bit of time um, yeah. to hit Pearl Jam. Um, but um, that's it. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> All right, bye. No, I'm kidding. Um, so that's it for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Thank you for joining us. Um, I believe, if I remember right, without giving anything away, I believe next time we're gonna throw something a little bit different at you artist wise. Am I correct yeah. in thinking that? Yep. And, and don't, don't worry the the, the rock is not going away. <laughs> don't give them that big of a hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, next time we're going to hit you with something a little different, mostly because I, I think that it'll keep this podcast more interesting. If we don't just stick to alternative metal, you know, you know, alternative rock metal and, and eighties rock. Like, I feel like, you know, yeah. <laughs> if we have to, we have to branch, branch out from there, but not too much. Um, ain't, but, ain't nothing wrong with that. No, no absolutely oh, yeah. not. So, um, so yeah, we'll be back next time with something a little bit different, but hopefully you enjoy it. But once again, thank you very much for listening to cranked and ranked. And as usual, I'm going to hand it over to Eddie to take us out. Later. down!